Y'all there? Alright. David Renee's there. Genesis chapter 12. Is everybody awake today? Alright. This is going to be a good one. This will be a good one. We need to do jumping jacks. That's what we need to I want to talk to you about sleeping with God. No, I mean walking with God. Some some people just want to sleep in God's presence. Um, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, get out of your country, your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know, throughout Scripture... A Christian life is illustrated as walking with God. When you study the Bible, uh, as you're studying your Bible, if you see patterns throughout Scripture, you need to pay attention to those patterns and, and because it reveals things about God, it reveals things about God's will. And this is one of the patterns that you see, Old Testament, New Testament both, is the terminology of, of describing our relationship to God as a walk or walking with God. When you, when you think about the, uh, the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, remember that God came in the cool of Eden and they walked with God. Uh, Enoch was one and that it refers to that he walked with God and he had testimony that pleased God. It means he lived a life that was pleasing to God. Noah, remember in the days that he lived, how all the earth was wicked. And the Bible says their heart was continually on wickedness. Yet Noah found grace in God's sight and said, and Noah walked with God. And then when you look in the New Testament, it says it in several different places. But just for illustration's sake, when Jesus came along and he called the disciples out, way to say, follow me or walk with me. And I will make you fishers of men. That That is actually a dividing factor between those people and then th- those who lived around them. That's what separated them was whether or not they walked with God or that they didn't walk with God. Think about this. Both Noah and Enoch lived in a time at least as wicked as we do, probably, honestly, worse and, and darker than, than what it is in our day. We think we live in the most wicked times, yet Noah and Enoch lived in a time where, where all of mankind was wicked and full of darkness. But what separated them from their culture, what made them different, what made them is what the Bible referred to as a burning light, was, was not the fact they went to church, they read the Bible, it was the fact of that they walked with God. A lot of people want to make a, a relationship with God, the fact of, you know, because because I go to church, because I do this or do that, and the Bible doesn't define it as that. The Bible talks about us walking with God, hand in hand, in a fellowship and in a relationship with God. And think about this, Jesus had a lot, he didn't just have 12 disciples, he had many disciples at one time that followed him and they walked with him. And then in John chapter 6, Jesus spoke or taught on uh, a doctrine that was very difficult for them to receive. It was They called it a hard saying. It was truthful teaching is what it was. And when it came to that point, it said that they would no longer at that point in time, that they, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. 
You know, there there are a lot of times in our lives, even as Christians, as as believers, that, that you might be a born-again believer, but you're not walking with God. That your walk is not where it needs to be with the Lord. That we can walk, you know, away from the Lord, opposite of God, and still be born-again believers. Doesn't mean that you lose your salvation. And I'll cover that, cover that in the next couple of weeks. But... Um, for instance, remember when Adam and Eve, uh, God came and walked with them, yet when they chose the way of sin, when they disobeyed God and they chose to, to not trust God and they, then they fell into sin, it changed that walk forever. God didn't continue to come and walk with them in the cool of the evening, though they were, they were, uh, God made a way for them to be saved and they were forgiven, yet it changed the, that walk drastically and it affected them and everybody else. Big time for the, for, for throughout the rest of their life period here on, here on earth. And so one of the most important things that we need to determine, number one is, do you have a walk with God? Are you in a relationship with God? And number two, where are you at in that walk? You have to determine that on your own because only you know this. So real quick, I'm going to cover it. This is really a believer's message, but I want to cover it in case you're here this morning and go, I don't know if, you know, if I'm a born again believer or if I'm not or I know I'm not. What does a walk with God look like? And look real quick in Ephesians chapter 2. Hold your spot on Genesis chapter 12 and flip to Ephesians chapter 2. This is one of the places in the Bible it talks about our walk. And this talks about our walk prior to walking with the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 it says, In you, I'll let you get there. Verse 1 says, And you he made alive, or you he quickened, who were dead in your trespasses and sin. And notice how it says this here, In which you once walked according to the course or the pattern of this world. Your life walks, if you're a lost person, you walk after the pattern of our culture, after everybody else in this world, according to your fleshly desires. And then it says, according to the prince of the power of the air, it means that the devil influences your life. He uses the lust of your flesh, your sinful nature to move you in the direction that he wants you to go. All he does is lure you and you go with that. Okay? That's what it looks like to be a lost person in your walk. According to the prince the power of air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So it's a, it's a walk that is very earthly minded. It's a walk that's disobedient to God's way and to God's word, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Every single one of us have walked in that way. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That means whatever come to mind, that's what you do. You know, you're, you're not led by the Spirit. You're not eternally minded. You're not concerned about where God has for you in life. You're not walking with Jesus. You, you're just led by your own fleshly desires. Whatever comes along, whatever the world says is good, you go with it. Very earthly minded, uh, that kind of thing. That would describe the walk of an unbeliever. It's not a walk with God. Because here's the thing, there's a lot of people who say, oh, I believe in God. And you know, you would, you might determine that you have a walk or a relationship with God because you go, I believe in God. The Bible says the devil believes and trembles, okay? Or, or that the fact that you come to church, the Bible doesn't say you sit with God. It says that you walk with God. And a walk with God is a day in, day out relationship with the Lord that changes your life. As an unbeliever, we don't have that. And then in verse 4 it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, 
because of his great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespass sin made us alive together with Christ and so there comes a point in time and it says for by grace you have been saved raised us up together made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus okay and so at a point in time in your life, if you're here and you go, I, I, I'm an unbeliever. I'm not sure that, I, you know, if I know the Lord, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm going to hell and proud of it. Whatever your attitude is, okay? There will come a point, today is that point if you've never heard it before, which God in his mercy intersects your life, what I would call a crossroad. It's where you come to the place where you hear the message of the gospel. God's calling you to follow Him, to walk with Him. That's the message of the gospel. I want you to turn. Repentance means turn. I want you to turn away from your path. And I want you to come onto the path of grace and forgiveness and love and disobedience, or not disobedience, obedience. And I want you to follow me. And it's not your following God that saves you. It's the fact of that you believe and you trust the Lord. He saves you. And at the moment that you're saved, you begin to follow Jesus. Okay? If you're here and you go, I'm saved. I just don't walk with God. You got, you got some issues in your, in your whole theology. Okay? There's a lot of people in America, I believe in God. I'm good. Me and God have our thing. Do, do you walk with God? No, no, not necessarily. I don't walk God, but I'm a Christian. No, maybe not. Okay. I'm not your judge, but I'm saying you got a lot of red flags coming up in, in your belief system if you say you're a believer because the Bible calls us to repentance and repentance means I make a turn. I turn off the path I'm on. I turn on the path Jesus is on. He's Lord of my life. I begin to walk and I begin to follow Him. I begin to obey Him. Why? Because His Spirit is in me. Think about it. When you're born again, you're raised to life by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in you. God's in you. God doesn't walk away from God. Okay. Jesus calls us to follow in his pathways he leads us and directs us and so um think about this for for maybe you're here and you go well i am a christian because i used to do that i used to try to reason in my mind i'm a christian i just don't live right and i you know i don't do all that you know walk with god amos chapter 3 verse 3 says how can two walk together unless they agree how can you say that you have a walk with god when you don't agree with god you can't say I love sin, but I, but I believe in God. You know, I have a relationship with God, but I don't follow God. I don't love God. I don't walk in obedience to God. I have none, none of that desire in my life. I come to church, and I have a, I have a mental assent that I believe in the existence of God, and I know all about Jesus. But in Amos, it says, how can two walk together unless they agree? And that word there in the Hebrew actually means to be in sync or in rhythm with. Now, you think about this. <clears throat> If our worship team come up here, however many of them there, there are, if they all come up here and they said, I'm going to play a song, but it was a different song, and they were all playing in a different key, it would sound horrible. Is what It would sound like some of the stuff you listen to on secular music. <laughs> it would sound terrible, okay? But when they come together and they play the same song in the same key, and they sing in the same key, and it all is in rhythm and in sync, it makes music, and it's awesome. There are some of us who don't want to be on God's song. The gospel is God's song. Jesus is God's music. We want to invite God on our song, in our music, on our life. And we don't walk in rhythm with God. Just because you go to church doesn't mean your life is in sync with the gospel. Doesn't mean that your life is where it needs to be as far as walking with the Lord in accordance to His Word. God calls us to walk in His way. Remember in Acts chapter 9 when, when Saul of Tarsus was going after believers and it described, it used a terminology that described Christians in that day. It describes Christians in our day too. It didn't say He was looking for those who were in church. 
It said that he had papers from the authorities and he was going to find those who were of the way. Christianity is a way. Jesus said, I am the way. And it's a way that we walk because of what we believe. Belief is absolutely, your faith in Christ is absolutely the root of it. It's the steering wheel of your life, okay? And your faith should be what guides you in that walk to follow the one that you believe in. And so, with that, if you're here and you're not a believer, then the only way that you have a walk with God is you come into rhythm with God. And that means that I come to a place where I acknowledge, God, you're right. And I'm wrong. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to quit singing my song. I'm going to get in tune with you by believing in Christ as the forgiveness and the atonement for my sin. Trust in Jesus. I want to get on your path. If you're not interested in following Jesus, you're not interested in being saved. You understand what I'm saying? There's no two routes to heaven. Jesus said, my way is the way. And so if you're walking with him, then you're in the way. If you ain't following Jesus, you need to check and see if you even have a relationship with him. That's a hard saying, ain't it? I'm going to have some disciples that follow us no more today, all right? Y'all with me? Now, the rest of this message is for believers. For the believer, we're going to look at Abram back in Genesis chapter 12, okay? Scripture shows throughout it, whether it's, whether it's in Genesis, whether it's in, it refers to Abram, Abraham later as God changed his name, refers to Abraham in Romans, uh, in Galatians, throughout the New Testament, Hebrews as the father of the faith. So when you look at Abraham's life, this, remember this was 400 years prior to the law, and when God gave, uh, in, in the relationship that God had with Abraham, it's the same exact relationship that God has with us. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted on him for rights. He was saved by grace through faith in the gospel that God himself preached to Abraham. And so when you study Abraham, you look at Abraham's life and you go, my life should kind of look like the life that Abraham has. I should pattern my life after the ways that Abraham walked with the Lord. And so in this, for a believer, there are times, okay, right here in Abraham's life. This is not when he was saved, okay. But this is when God came to him. It says later on in the scripture that God appeared to Abraham here. He lived in a place called Ur. It was in uh, Babylon. It was a very rich, prosperous city in its day. One of the one of the greatest cities in its day. And so it had all the bling bling and everything that America has in its culture. And God appears to Abraham. And this is a place where Abraham's walk with God takes a turn. There's going to be times in your life as a believer that your walk is going to change. It has to change. And it's going to take turns, and God might call you in a different direction, or on a different path, or in a different route. But He always calls us to follow Him, and if you're going to follow God, and your walk with God's going to be what you desire for it to be, then I want to show you some things in here that you need to learn. The first thing is, in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram. You notice here, the Lord is the one who initiated. The Lord, the Lord is the one who invites, and so when you walk with God, God's in the lead. It's not us inviting God to walk with us, to be a part of our life, okay? You know, I don't even like the terminology, invite Jesus into your heart. I say, I need God to change my heart, and my heart needs to be in line with God, and I need to begin to follow the Lord. God has a place that he wants to take Abraham. Notice what he says here to Abraham. He said, I want you to get out of your country. Why? Because it was a wicked, dark culture that was idolatrous and God was going to separate from that from your family he had idol worshipers in his family from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation now notice this is what he's going to do what we want to do is some of you here this morning I talk about are you walking with God 
And if God wants to bring about a turn in your life or a change that while most of the time we've listened, we've listened to the American philosophy about God has, you know, if I, if I begin to walk with God, then I'm going to have to give up a lot of good stuff and I'm going to get a lot of boring nothing. Right? Right? Some of us saying, well, I don't know if I can let go of this or leave this. God's asking me, here, here's God robbing Abraham. He's wanting Abraham to leave all this good stuff so that he can go live a miserable life of sitting in church, reading the Bible, and listening to a bunch of preaching. Whereas, notice what God says. I'm going to, I'm going to do what? I'm going to take you to a land that I'm going to show you. It's a land that he gave him. It was an inheritance. He wanted to take him to a place where he would give him a great inheritance. And he said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so when God calls us to walk with him, And maybe God's changing the way he wants you to walk right now, or he's calling you to a different walk in life. God's not calling you to some boring, drab life. God's taking you to a place that is far better, far greater, okay? And the way that he can reveal himself, one of the things that I studied as I was studying this this week was it was 25 years. Here when God called Abraham, he was 75 years old. So if you're here today and you're you're, you're older and say, well, my walk with God's almost done. No, it ain't. Okay, if God's God's got plenty of walking for you to do. He was 75. How old was he when his promised son was born? A hundred. It was 25 years from the time that, that, that Abram left his country and he started walking with God until one of the promises, which was a son, that God gave him that promise. 25 years. And I think there was four different times where God confirmed that promise to Abraham. He showed himself to Abraham in a vision. He spoke to Abraham. He actually came to Abraham uh, in, in a, I guess you would call a physical form. And he spoke to sit down and had supper with him. And he said, I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to give you a son. And I thought, Lord, why was it 25 years? Now, let's be honest. I didn't even finish my message this morning, but i got to deal with this with you. If God said to you like he did to Abraham, come out, I'm going to give you a son. You would expect, you know, six, nine months. <laughs> nine months, year tops, couple years, we're at least going to see a promise of a son here. A year goes by. Two years go by. Three years go by. You're like, come on, Lord. You know, Abraham, he's just like us. He's like... You know, it's been this long, Lord, and I still don't have a son. I still don't have an heir. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to show you how. And, you know, later on, he, he enters a covenant with Abraham there, and that's where he said he believed God. And it was accounting him for righteousness. But I thought, Lord, why did you wait that long? Why was it that you took Abraham 25 years? Why do you do that in our life also? Because there's a lot of promises that God gives us. And he says, I'm going to do this. And we, so we start following God and we expect immediate gratification. You know, we got this picture that God's like, oh, I just wish I could get you to follow me, obey me. And then one day when we finally do, okay, Lord, I'm going to obey. He's like, okay, now I'm going to give you everything I promised. It don't work that way. Why did he carry, why did he carry Abraham that long? Because the most important part of the promise was God wanted Abraham to know him. You know, later on, the Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. God's building a friendship. God's about a relationship. He's not just about, here, here's your baby. Because if he would have, Abraham would have been all about Isaac instead of about the Lord. When God calls you to follow him, it's all about him. He wants to show himself to you, reveal himself to you, have a friend relationship with you, a father-son or a father-daughter relationship with you. So don't get caught up in the promise as far as what is God going to do. Get caught up in God. And so he calls Abraham out. And the thing is, he is leading Abram. He's calling, and God said, this is where I'm going. This is where I want to carry you. This is where I want to take you. Walk with me. I want you to walk with me. 
Just like he did his disciples. When you walk with God, God's going to lead. Psalm 23, what does it say? He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If you're going to walk with God, you got to quit trying to lead God in where you want him to go to get him to do the things you want him to do, to live the life that you want to live and him to bless it. It doesn't work that way. A walk with God means God's leading, I'm following. I want to know where God is, what he's doing, what he's asking me to do. And say, how do you find all this stuff out? You start walking with God. And the more that you walk with God, the more God reveals himself to you, the more God reveals his will to you. But God's not going to put on a circus show and try to capture your physical attention so that you'll try, you know, and follow him and so he can give you these things. It's a harsh desire first more, more than anything to go, more than anything else, I want to know God. And I'm going to walk with him. And you're quiet this morning. Some of us, we act more like a horse. You know, the Bible said, do not be like, you know, like a horse where you got to put a bit in their mouth. I've watched my wife, wife fool with a lot of horses over the years. She has had some real good horses and she has had some real winners. <laughs> some of those horses, so hard-headed, and I see her get out there and fool with them stupid things and, 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 and all kind of different bits that she's tried. And, and there are some horses, they just ain't going to listen. You know why? Because they want to lead. They want to lead you to a fence and throw you off and break your hand. They want to lead you under limbs and knock you off. They have a mind of their own. They're not concerned about the will of the one who feeds them and takes care of them. What they, what they want to do is they want to buck you off and be on about what they want to do. I said, David's fine. You understand that too, brother David. <clears throat> but here's the thing. God says, I want a horse. That when I say, this is the way we're going to go, that horse is waiting to respond. My wife has some horse, she got a horse, to where she just barely puts a little pressure, and boom, and that horse responds. And it goes the direction she wants to go, and it does what she asks it to do. That's what God asks of us. I want you to walk with me. I want you to follow my lead. I want you to do what I put. When I put just a little pressure on you, you just respond, and you do the thing. Why? Because God's the one who takes care of us. He's the one who owns us. He's the one that bought and paid for us. The Bible said, don't be like a hard-headed horse where i got to put a bit in your mouth and jerk your head around. Okay? Are y'all with me? And so in that, second thing is, number one, let God lead. Number two, we're going to have to leave some things in life in order to walk with God. Abraham had to leave some things. Number one was the ways of his culture. You're not going to walk in the ways of our culture and walk with God. You're not. You might say you do. There's a lot of people who say they do. Uh, you know, I do this and I do that and I involve myself in everything. And you're just like the world and you live like the world and you involve yourself in all the things of the world. But if somebody asks you, you go, yeah, I walk with God. No, you don't. You just say you do. Because God leads us out of this culture. He leads us out of a worldly mindset. He gives us an eternal mindset. You remember, and I can't go into this for time's sake this morning, but remember when Cain left, the, the Bible says Cain left the presence of the Lord. If you'll study that in Genesis, I believe it's chapter 4, Cain began to build a culture. The first thing he did is he built a city. Then he brought industry in. Then he bought business in. Then he bought musical things and arts and outward beauty. All those things was the culture that he was building. It was a culture that was antichrist. It's what it was. Seth was another lineage of, 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 of the godly line who called upon the Lord. You'll see that about Enoch. You'll see it about Noah. 
see it about Abraham and how they called upon the Lord. When you walk with God, you're not so worldly minded. You're not consumed by all the things we got going on. Your, your weeks are not always, I'm always thinking about the next dollar I'm going to make, the business I'm going to build, the person I'm going to be, the position I'm going to get, the success I'm going to experience, all these things and all the fun and entertainment and everything else. And then I'm going to go to church on Sunday and I'm going to walk with God for 15 minutes or 30 or 40, however long winded I am. Are y'all with me? God calls us out of this culture. He calls us out of the influence of some people. Now you see here, he was he had bad influence. Okay. Uh, anyway, I want to get you out away from that influence. I want to get you away from those people. There's some of us. If you're going to walk God, you need to leave some of the influence. I ain't talking about your husband or your wife, but you need to leave the influence of some of the people that you're with. And get away from that influence. We have to leave some worldly comforts and securities. Think about it. I don't know Abraham, but he might have had a three-bedroom house with a 401k, with a job, you know, two nice cars and a poodle in his yard. I don't know what he had. But he was obviously a man who, who had some success. And it says he took all those who were with him. He had servants, all those people with him. And all of a sudden, God interrupts his life and says, hey, will not you leave it? will not you walk with me? I've got something way better than what this world has to offer you. What do you got, God? It's a place I'm going to show you. You like that? The Lord didn't say, here, let me show you everything I got. I drew my picture. He said, it's a place I'm going to show you. You come and walk with me. Just be be enamored by me. Be overwhelmed by who I am. Leave every, God's not asking you to leave everything so he can give you trinkets. God's asking you to leave everything and follow him. He's the object of our walk. And so there's going to be times in your life where you might have to leave some worldly comforts. And you might have to leave some securities. And here's the, here's the hardest part. He had to leave a place that was familiar to show us a place he was totally oblivious to. And when you look at this as just a life that God has for us, I'm not taking saying God's going to take you, move you to Africa. God might leave you in the home you're in, in the church you're in for the rest of your life, but God still wants to move you. God wants to take you from where you are spiritually in this life, mentally in this life, the things that you're living for, the things that you're investing in your life in. I want you to move away from that. That's familiar. That's where you're comfortable. I want to pull you out of that cultural set, that mindset that you're in, the things that this world has programmed you to invest your life in, and I want you to follow me. And I'm going to take you to a place that you can't... There's no point in me telling you about it because you can't even imagine it. What I have for you. And what I, I want to bless you. And I want to cause you to be a blessing to other people. And I want you to invest your life in me and me alone. And we still live physically. We still work. Not saying you need to go quit your job. Go, okay, I quit my job and I left my house and all that. You got to have a place to sleep. You need to have a car unless you live close to the church to walk, okay? And so get this mindset out there. Well, I mean, walk on God means I, I just got to leave everything. Sell everything. If you sell everything, how are you going to live? Okay. If God tells you to sell everything, sell it. If God tells you to get rid of your house, get rid of it. Move to another one. Okay. But it's all about Him. But think about this. Sometimes you have to leave and let go of something before you can get what God has for you. Israel had to leave Egypt before they got to the promised land. They had to cross over Jordan before they went into it. Think about this. They had to leave fear and familiar to come to the place where God gave them that promise. The disciples left their boats and their way of life. The Jews had to leave tradition. 
There come a point in time in my life where God called on me to go, I want you to walk with me out of this tradition that you have been instilled and engrafted in about a certain way that we have to worship, what, what God is and what God is not. Leave that. Get away from it. And you walk with me and you let me show you who I am. There's a lot of people in churches today, they will not let go of tradition. In order to walk with God. And I think because they have their tradition that they're walking with God and not. The Jews had to leave tradition to walk with Jesus. Huge traditions. Noah had to leave the acceptance of his peers. Think about this. God said, no. He walked to God. God I want you to build a boat. It had never rained. I'm going to send rain on the earth. I'm going to flood. I'm going to kill everybody. I want you to preach and tell them that for the next 120 years. And how would you like to be put in a place, say, God, God would put you in a place where you look like an idiot, absolute idiot, hello, okay, to where God caught him in, what did he have to do? I gotta leave what, I, worrying about what everybody thinks about me. I gotta leave being accepted by my culture. But you know what he did? He built a boat and saved his family. He was the only one around after it was all over with. Moses had to leave a palace. David had to leave the sheep fields. Abraham left it all. You can't always take everything with you. There's times in our life where what we want to do is we go, I want to follow you, Lord. I want to bring all this with me. I want to bring who I was. I want to bring all my, all my things, all my desires, all my dreams, all my attitudes, you know, all these different things. I want to bring, yeah, Lord, I'm going to follow you. We want to follow God with a U-Haul truck. And God's like, unhitch that if you're going to go with me. Remember when Jesus came along, when one person came to him and said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and tell my mom and dad, hey, I'm gone. But she wasn't interested in mom and daddy's wanting his inheritance. Let me get all my stuff first and then I'll follow you. You have one of those buts in your life? I'm not being ugly. Where you go, Lord, I want to follow you, but first let me do this. But first let me get this. Let me get to this point. And when I get right here, Lord, then, then I'm going to walk with you. God's like, I'm, I'm walking. You either walk now or, or I don't know what to tell you. And so, third thing I want to give you is that first God leads. Second thing, you might have to leave something. And the last thing, praise God, is it's going to be a walk of faith. Notice he didn't tell Abraham where he's going. He said, I'm going to take you to a place I will show you. Here's my problem. I want details. When God says, I want you to walk with me. You follow me, and I'm going to carry you somewhere. I'm going to show you. I'm like, Lord, where? Lord, how? Lord, when? Lord, what? Want details. I want to know exactly. There's a lot of people who want to know the beginning and the end. Tell me, this Christian life of yours, what exactly, in detail, are the steps? Because I need to know the steps. There might be a step I don't like. There might be a step I want to skip. There might be a way I want to turn back when I get to that step. God's like, I'm not giving you details. Because it's not about the when, the what, the why, the how, the where. It's about the who. The Lord says, just follow me. What, what do you think the disciples would have done if, if they, Jesus came walking by and said, Hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, Lord, what exactly are we going to do? Well, first we're going to go around. I'm going to show you a bunch of miracles. I'm going to raise some people from the dead. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to send you out to preach. And after all that's said and done, they're going to crucify me on the cross. Think that it went, uh, okay, we'll do that. And then after that, you know, after that I'm gonna send you out into the whole world so that you can preach how I've been crucified, buried, and risen again, and you're gonna be put to death in my name's sake. You wanna follow? They'd have been like, I think we wanna fish. What caused the disciples to go from fishermen to world, world changers? 
is that they walked with Jesus every day. Wasn't about what they became. Don't, don't get, don't get so focused on the mission. Well, Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to be a, you know, I want you to be a this or be a that. I want you to do this. I want you to be involved. Why, Lord? Well, this is why. Let me explain it to you because I got this and this. We, we always want these, we want to fire questions towards heaven before we make a decision. Here's the decision you have to make. Can I trust him? Can I trust Jesus? Will he do what he says he will do? Can he take care of me? Has he got my best intentions in his heart? Does he have the ability to bring me through trials and troubles that I'm going to face in this walk with him? Is he better than what I have right now? Those are the questions we have to determine. And if when those questions come to you, go, I believe he is. I believe he is the son of God. I believe he is the one and only way to salvation. I believe that he's good. I believe that he loves me. I believe that he can take care of me. Abraham walked up right amongst his enemies. The Bible said the Canaanites were in that land. They were huge people. And they were enemies of people like Abraham. And he marched Abraham right up amongst them. And Abraham was like, you know what? God told him later, don't fear Abraham. I am your shield. I'll take care of you. He provided for Abraham. Abraham never missed a meal. Actually got rich, if you want to know the truth, keep reading. He took care of Abraham. Abraham lived a long life. God made every promise fulfilled that he promised to Abraham. Used Abraham to change the world. How to do that? Because Abraham was Jesus' great, 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 great grandpa. And in him, all the world is blessed. God fulfilled every single promise that he's ever promised. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ your Savior, maybe you're one of those skeptics go, how can I know that there's heaven? Because I can't see it. If God has shown me heaven, then I'll believe. It ain't about heaven. It's about him. He's already showed you himself. He came and lived a perfect sinless life. He died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again. That pretty much confirms that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he do. But you have to determine in your heart if you're going to believe him and you're going to trust him or you're going to live in control of your own life. Throughout scripture and throughout history, God has had one simple command. Christianity is not difficult. What was that one simple command? Jesus said, I just want you to walk with me. I want you to follow me. So my question for you is this morning. Do you have a walk with God? You see, this morning I said, there was a point in time in my life where I came to the crossroad. And I believed the gospel, repented of my sin, and I'm on the path that Jesus is leading. Second thing is, where are you at in your walk with God? Some of us here are in a place where we're just stale, staunch. Your life's not moved by faith. You're not moved by anything. I'm going to have to come and get a jack to get your hind in out of a pew this morning to get you home. Let's be real. Some of us just plopped in, plopped out, ready for me to shut up. I'll be shut up here in just a minute. Some of us are seeking the Lord. The Lord, I want to know where you want me to go. I want to be a part of that life. I want to let go. What is it that God's wanting you to let go? What is it God's calling you to leave? Maybe it's your arrogant spirit. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a lifestyle. Maybe it's something that you're involved in you shouldn't be. I don't know. But here's what I know. I don't ever want to miss my walk with God for something in this world. This world's going to burn up. I think that's what, you know what Ur, where God called Abraham out of, Ur means fire. You can leave what's going to burn up. And you can follow me into the life I have for you. Some of us are holding on to dust and ashes. This is what, this is my toys. This is my identity. This is my joy. This is my happiness. And God's coming by going, walk with me. 
I got something so much better for you. I got a life that's incredible. But you have to determine who you're going to follow. You're going to follow after your own will, or you're going to go. I'm going to let go and I'm going to leave whatever these things are, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed.